this morning, Miss Rachel. And so look forward to what the kids have in store. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, this morning in worship. Uh, thank you also, all of you, for um, praying for me in these last several days as I uh, spent some time in the hospital. I'm grateful um, everything for that uh, checked out well, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for your prayers and for your support. And uh, so because of that, uh, the elders were gracious and uh, gave me some latitude to look at a different way of going about this Sunday. And so you won't be hearing from me as far as a message uh, from the Lord in that way, but you'll be hearing from those that are part of our church family. And so we have five testimonies uh, that are uh, set up and ready to go um, that we'll be able to hear what God has been doing in the lives of various people. As we sang, uh, the Waymaker, Isaiah 40, verse 3, says this, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This, John the Baptist uh, proclaimed this was what his mission was, preparing the way for the Lord Jesus as he came for his earthly ministry. Uh, but the ultimate uh, end is that we would see the glory of the Lord. And so this morning, as uh, we hear these testimonies, we desire to hear and to see the glory of the Lord displayed in the ways that he is working. And so they're just going to come up one by one. We're going to begin this morning with Joni Clemente, if she would come to share. And then uh, we have five different testimonies that will be given this morning of what God has been doing. And they'll just come one after another. And we want to give glory to the Lord for the ways that he is making a way, the ways that he has been working. So, Joni, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Good morning. Uh, my name is Joni Clemente. And... I first want to say thank you to the worship team, Pastor Mark, and anyone else who has stands up here on a regular basis, because I'm a bit out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, Pastor Mark asked me to give a testimony on how Jesus has recently worked in my life. I've been ice skating most of my life. It's been one of my most fun winter activities. This past winter, I was ice skating at North Park, and this is where my current testimony begins. <laughs> After a fall, while I was ice skating on January 7th, I fractured my upper left arm in three places. One of the fractures was my rotator cuff. The injury was devastating to me as it stopped me in my tracks from an active and busy lifestyle. At first, my main prayers to God were to heal my arm without needing surgery. He blessed me by answering that prayer, surgery was not necessary. During my weeks at home recovering from my injury and not being able to drive, God blessed me time and time again with people from this church and my neighbors and friends who brought me groceries, food, <laughs> and drove me to my doctor appointments. It might not seem much, but when you can't do it, it's... And there were times, I'm going off script here, <laughs> there were times I was out of bananas and I have to eat a banana a day, which anyone that knows me knows that. And 
I was just like thinking, who do I ask? What do I do? Dale, my neighbor, knocks on my door, says, hey, Joni, I'm running to the grocery store. What do you need? Some bananas. <laughs> um, that's just one example of how me asking God help, it came about. Um, I obviously had to take time off work as a paralegal for a few weeks and eventually tried going back to work part-time. In addition to my prayers for healing, I started to ask God for guidance concerning work. During this time, I felt God speaking to my heart concerning retirement. Long story short, praying throughout this whole situation concerning my arm injury, God has answered my prayers in more ways than I anticipated. He has redirected me in this new season of my life and has blessed me with true peace with my decisions. I am now partially retired. I am nearing the end of my physical therapy appointments. And this is the best part. <laughs> and just this past week, my physical therapist gave me the green light to start running again, which means the world to me and is beyond a blessing. I have had some very extremely difficult times during my life. A Bible scripture that has been a help to me is Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. It is a reminder to me that prayer keeps me connected to God, who is my source of strength, for which I am truly grateful. Thank you. I'd like to share with you uh, a, a part of my life that came about when I lost my first wife. She had many illnesses, and it, I was the only one there when she passed, passed away. And God gave me a, a vision of a little girl, and I saw that little girl as being my wife, and she was running through a field and I took that to mean that she was in heaven with God at the time. And soon after that, I had a mountaintop experience. Uh, people were generous to me, inviting me for dinner. I was able to come back to church again and rejoice in that my wife was now in heaven. And my parents gave me a car. God was blessing me all over the place. This mountaintop experience didn't last that long. It was temporary. And because I was so high in the Lord, and Satan found my weakness, and he brought me down into a depression. I had to take time off work, go into a hospital, and I was off for a month. They really didn't cure me. They, after my, the time was up that the insurance would pay for, they had me go home. And I no longer had joy for life. I was just getting up and going through the motions. Work was uh, tedious. And my boss was asking me 
if I would come out to the Pittsburgh Mills location instead of Ross Park Mall. I didn't want to come out, it was four miles further each way. And I was comfortable in, in, in my other uh, location. Well, I, after I turned them down twice, then a few people started grumbling about me because my work was starting to show that it was not as good as it should be. And she, he said, you have to go to Pittsburgh Mills. They don't want you here anymore. So I went to Pittsburgh Mills, and I found out that it was much better than where it was, and it was a better place. I gradually became happy. I got started uh, looking to the Lord for the, a new strength every day. And fast forward to the uh, COVID, I was... My hours had been cut down to three hours a day right before COVID. Then they laid me off. And when the store opened back up, they wanted me to work five hours a day. Or no, before that was two, eight hours a day for two days a week. And I did it willingly. I thought it was my, I was doing my part like all the, the workers in the healthcare field. And I uh, was uh, enjoying things. And, my, and the boss uh, reinstated me to a former, my former position as a team lead. And uh, everything was going great. And then they closed pennies down, J.C. Penney's down, and I got a new boss. And he wanted to replace me with the boss, the team lead that he had at J.C. Penney's after I'd just been promoted. And I was, I figured, well, Lord, this is what you want. I'll go along with your will. And then I found out that I had to train him because he didn't know how to do the job. So, and I was, happened to be cleaning out things in the dresser, and I saw where I had to put in my resignation, or they may not pay me for my last week of work. So I put my resignation in. And when I was in that last week, I went home and I got a phone call from the manager of, of Macy's who says, uh, I shouldn't be calling you, but we want you to come back. Here the, the man that I was supposed to be replaced with came in to work smelling like marijuana and they did not like this at all. And they brought me back in. I got to come back to my job on my terms. And the Lord just worked it out so that I could stay there. And to make the long story short, if I hadn't stayed there, I wouldn't have met my lovely wife, Pat. Would you stand, please? Who we had a romance going at work for over a year and a half before we decided to tie the knot. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm Jim Coons. I'm Joan Coons. <laughs> and we moved to Pittsburgh 
uh, we had lived in Virginia ever since I had uh, graduated from college and and raised four children there and so on. So we, but we came to Pittsburgh in December of 2020. And we want to share a little of our journey with you guys. Because we had, we have a son who lives here. So three years ago, we were in Virginia. And the Lord had been dealing with us because we were growing older. We have four and a half acres out there. Mowing the yard is just an all-day task and taking care of things. So the Lord started saying, through a series of events that happened, you know, maybe we should consider going somewhere. All our children lived out of state. If anything happened to us, it would be a real hardship for them. So we started praying about it, and we started thinking about it, and I said, well, if we move anywhere, I want to move by one of our kids at least. We have four of them. And so we have one son in Pittsburgh. And so when we casually came up here one day and mentioned this to him, have you, because they have been looking for a house for several years, he said, and they're never going to find anything, they thought. And I said, have you ever considered a multi-generational house? They were overjoyed, which overjoyed us to think that they, you know, really want us this bad. And that's when we started seriously considering it. Through a series of events, the Lord showed us he was in this completely. When we finally told our daughter-in-law, okay, start looking for a house, she found one in less than a week. I, and I said, wait a minute, Lord, I, you know, I didn't want it this fast. But, and then when we made an offer in it, it was uh, accepted the next year uh, and a few months later. And then when we put our house on the market, it sold within three weeks. No, within three days, I mean. <laughs> and so I said, Lord, okay, this is going a little fast for me. You're going to slow down here. But I said, okay, we're, as long as you're in this and you're beside us, we'll go wherever. We came up here. We visited this church. When we have strict requirements for a church, it has to be Bible-believing, preach the gospel, it has to have dynamic worship, and it has to be open to the Holy Spirit. And we came in the first Sunday, and we said, whoa, this is an amazing church. Lord, okay, thank you so much for this. And so anyway, we moved here in... December of 2020. And we started, after the new year, we started um, looking around and doing all the things you need to do, changing our driver's license, changing insurances, getting doctors. And in the course of that, I found a really good PCP. I went for my first visit that spring she said, oh, everything looks good. Um, and she said, but here's some routine blood work we just need for you to do. So I did that. Two days later, I got a call 
said there's something abnormal in your blood work. Um, some of your numbers are high, especially your liver numbers. And so we need to have a look at this farther. We need to have a scan. Well, that scan started a series of events. More scans, more tests, a stent in the hospital. And finally, a diagnosis of renal cell carcinoma, kidney cancer in both kidneys. It was stage four renal cell carcinoma. So right away they began immunotherapy on me. They said, this is a very aggressive form of cancer. We have to jump on it right away. So I started going for treatments. And they brought in all kinds of specialists. I had to go this appointment, that appointment, everywhere. And I took two of the immunotherapy treatments there, which had uh, some side effects. So they said, let's take a break from that and try and uh, concentrate on these other things. Through it all, I'd, I was thrown, we were both thrown for a loop on this. We read in the Bible, it says, call for the elders of the church and have them anoint you with oil and pray for your healing and you will be healed. We, we set up an appointment with the elders of the church. We came here, was anointed with oil, tremendous prayers and supplications to the Lord were made. And, but yet I continued to go for treatment my scans came out. They were doing scans on me all the time. And finally, when they suspended treatment because of the side effects, they said, well, we're just going to keep track of, of um, you with scans. And they kept track of me. I said, okay, this is not growing. We don't really understand this. But let's just go on and see what... It is, so uh, months later I had another scan, said it seems to be even going down a little, shrinking a little, and this is really unusual. We don't see this and we don't understand it, and through it all, the Lord has been amazing. We, I appreciate these doctors so much, we have and this team of experts, they're good doctors. They mean well. But we have a great physician who has the final say. And, and we can go with him, and he is with us through this journey completely. And through this church, I've, I've come to really know, come to know some prayer warriors um, that have... I attend the Tuesday morning Bible study, the Thursday morning ladies' prayer meetings, and I have been strengthened so much by their prayers. The body of Christ is so amazing. And so the doctor told me one time, she said, no, we're not looking for a cure here. The type of cancer you have is not curable. There is no cure. We're just looking for a treatment so you can um, live, uh, you know, a decent amount. So I don't know what 
Tamar holds. But I do know that God has said he will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. And I know he's here. And I know he's good. And that's all I know. On, uh, on March the 4th was our last visit to our oncologist, Dr. Maffa, um, out in um, Wexford. And what she said was, you have to understand, real cell carcinoma is an aggressive disease. But these scans over a year and a half now have shown no progress of the disease. So we're going to increase the distance between the scans, and we're only going to do them once every six months. And she said, um, when I look at the, your case, I say, um, did we make a mistake somewhere? So she said, I, I went back over the case, and I reviewed it step by step all the biopsies, all the scans, all the tests that we did. And she said, uh, we didn't make a mistake. <laughs> but at this time, we recommend no therapy. But we'll just keep watching this to see what happens. We are grateful to God for his goodness. Oh. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. school program here at DAC. Um, it has kids from kindergarten to fourth grade and we're actually expanding up to fifth grade next year. Uh, we run Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. and the program has just been such a cool gift from God. He really started it and he's continued to sustain it. We have two children from the church but for the most part we're reaching kids whose families are unchurched or unbelieving um, and just getting to love them and show the families that we as a church are committed to caring for them well. We provide a snack, homework help, we have lots of games and activities that we do with the kids. Um, and it's just been so amazing to work with the kids and to see how God is using our little church to really help families around us. Yeah, so as most of you know, we've been running um, this after school program for this school year and I believe half of last year. 
Um, and we're kind of coming to the end of the school year, um, and so Mara asked me to share my experience um, with the after-school program. And as you can see from the video, it's just like a blast. <laughs> they have so much fun, um, they're so silly. I kind of wanted to start with a silly story that I have. Um, when the kids get here, they start running off the bus, they're always, you know, telling us about their day, whatever, and one of our kiddos was kind of near the back of the line, um, and so I went back with them, and they look at me and they go, Miss Isabel, why are churches so obsessed with the letter T? And I go, it's like Dorseyville, Alliance, there's no T's there. And then I went, I was like, well, that's a cross. <laughs> um, and I said, do you know who Jesus is? And you know, that just serves as our reminder of Jesus. Um, and it was a silly question, you know, kids always um, have questions like that, and I'm just so excited that we get to provide a safe space where these kids can come in, they have fun, they choose the activities that they want to do, um, and through that I believe they feel comfortable to ask these questions. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm only with the after-school program for less than three hours a week, um, but over the course of the school year, the kids have become um, comfortable with us, um, and I think that it's just a great place to see we're able to play games with them, and they come to us with these questions as well. Um, I wanted to share something that actually came up um, for me in my work this week that I think connects to this um, for most of my week, I work as a counselor. Um, I work with a majority of the next generation, teenagers, young adults, um, who are deeply struggling, um, and most of them have no place to ask questions. They don't have um, access to the truth, um, and so they try to find that truth in a way they can. Um, and I just think that there has been such a pattern, especially for the younger generation, of they have either been directly hurt by the church, or they've heard from their parents that they've been hurt by the church. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And I think that just as heartbreaking, many of the young people that I know have said, I went to youth group, or I went to a church event, and I wasn't welcome, or I wasn't the doors weren't open. I tried to call and nobody answered. Um, and I think that that reality is so, um, I know, heartbreaking for me and I imagine heartbreaking for you guys, but what I love about the after-school program is that we're working to change that. You know, we have 12 kids that every week they come in, they feel safe, they have fun, um, and the after-school program was really built out of this need. The school came to us um, and said, we have this after-school program that's closing. Can you help us? Um, and I think the fact that Mara and Pastor Mark really stepped in and the church family really stepped into that need, just what a beautiful way that we're able to just create that not only for these kids that come every week, but now the school knows. The school knows that we're a safe place, we're willing to help. Um, I know that 
you know, Leah has things that she's doing with the school, whether it's, you know, youth group, we have Mara working with the Fall Family Fun Day. We're all trying to just create this space where these kids can come and ask these deeper, deep questions. Um, and I just think that's beautiful. Um, I wanted to end with another story. Um, this is something that Mara experienced that she gave me permission to share. Um, it had come up, the kids were asking, um, what the difference was between Jesus and God. And Mara was kind of describing um, that to them. And one of the kids, um, again, she told me this, but I'd imagine that this was maybe a jab at, the, at Mara, saying that she was old. But one of the kids said, Miss Mara, did you know Jesus? Um, <laughs> and it was a silly question, but what a wonderful Thing that Mara was then able to say, like, I have this relationship with Jesus. Um, and just being able to talk about that opportunity and um, how that can grow in this space. And so it's really been just such a blessing for me um, to volunteer with these kids, to work with them each week. Um, I just ask that as, you know, we go through the summer that you continue to pray for this program, pray for these kids. Again, I'm only here less than three hours a week. Um, if you feel called to volunteer, we're looking for those um, willing hearts. Um, if you need more information, you can see me, you can see Mara. Um, we'd love to talk to you about it, but um, thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Thanks. Hello, uh, my name is Jake and this is my wife Leah. And uh, um, about a year and a half ago, we felt called to move to a city called Tarana that's along the river. Um, and so we, we moved there a year and a half ago and we had the intent of being on mission as we go. Um, and so there's, uh, we've had a conviction earlier in the year um, through a training and then also a neighbor uh, convicted us as well. And uh, at this training there was a question and it was just how to be more on mission, just finding, finding uh, in life just where you're supposed to be on mission. And uh, there was a question and it was saying, out of all the populations that you have access to, which one do you think has the most need? And so the populations that they were talking about is just our different circles that we have in life. So work, friends, family, community. And uh, we looked at each other, we're like, well, Terenum is definitely number one on our list right now, we, hence why we moved here. Um, and so that was number one on our list. And then we were then convicted because our neighbor was saying, oh, you guys are like never around, I never get to see you, I never get to hang out. Um, and then there was another question, and it was saying, where are you actually you know, spending most of your time? And Terenum was actually on the bottom. We spend like, little to no time in Terenum, but Terenum is top priority. So something just wasn't making sense here. Um, and so we decided to make some changes this year, um, and there's been some you know, crazy things are happening. And it's only just been since it's been getting warm out, which is, it really hasn't been that long, but there's been some you know, fun things happening. Yeah, and just adding on to that, like when we 
felt called to move to Trenum. Like that wasn't, we were planning to, you know, buy a house and move. Um, that wasn't initially like where our hearts were. Like we even had like a couple people, I think, literally say to us like, oh, just don't move to Trenum. Like that definitely happened at, at one point. And we were like, okay. So we kind of had that in our minds at first while we're looking in other places. And then for some reason it just kept coming back up. And um, and I think it was just like this concept of marginalized, you know. And so we did some prayer walks and the Lord just started to like place this love in our hearts for the, for the location and the people there. Um, so that was just really neat to see how, you know, sometimes what we want really just isn't what, what God wants. Um, but I'm so thankful at this point that like he called us there because I mean, it's just been amazing. Um, but yeah, after we started kind of making room in our schedules to just be present there a little more, um, started leaning more into prayer. So I spent, and this, this was really only a few months ago, I would guess maybe February, March ish, um, it's like a Monday, I'm spending time in prayer, and I'm like, okay, we know we're called to Tarantum, but there's so, where do we start? Like, there's so many different places, businesses, you know, everything. So I'm just asking God, like, will you just give us direction? We'll go where you want us to go. And I really felt like he was saying, just your backyard. It's like, God, there's like, what? <laughs> That's not really like going out, you know? Um, and then it just like clicked. Like, God had been bringing all these kids that like live on our block, I don't know, they like us for some reason and they keep coming up and ding dong ditching us so, and like hanging out in our backyard even when we're not out there. And so it was like, oh, literally our backyard, like <laughs> the kids that are there, okay. So we just started like kind of focusing in on this group. Um, one of the ways we, we call them the alley boys because they're all boys and they hang out in the alley. <laughs> yeah, so if you hear us talking about the alley boys, um, you can pray over that group in specific. Um, unless some girls start to come along, we'll have to change the name. But anyways, as Easter approached and we were doing our Easter egg hunt here, I was like, oh, what if we put together some you know, Easter baskets for these kids and their families because we'd been hanging out with the kids a lot but we didn't have connections with their parents yet. And we were like, okay, this is a way for us to go to their doors, you know, and be giving them something and not just being like, hey, I don't know. Sometimes people can be uncomfortable with that. So we brought the Easter baskets, gave them our phone numbers, you know, and um, that just like swung wide the doors open, um, especially with one family in particular. When we brought the Easter basket, the mom came out and talked to us for like over an hour that night just telling us about her life. And um, the reason we point out the Easter baskets is because that helped us to see where the grace was because some families were much more open than others. I mean, they were all thankful and nice, you know, but it was like one parent came out and she's like, oh, thanks, like, bye, and kind of like ran away. But then this one was like, open her door. And it's that concept of like persons of peace and, you know, you invite, like, the peace, and if they accept it, then, you know, you stay. If not, you kind of shake the dust off and go. Um, and so our relationship with her and, you know, her kids has been rapidly picking up. Within that same week, 
we saw them, I think, four times, like had them over for dinner. And then the next day they were on our porch, like waiting for us to get home and then invited us to dinner and then invited us to their kid's birthday party. Like, and so this relationship, you know, we haven't got to the point of really like sharing Jesus, but like this relationship is like just picking up and there's just the grace of God all over it. Um, and that has kind of made the other families a little more comfortable with us too, to see that we're actually like a part of the community. Um, and then we've seen like the night markets they have once a month. We like went and we're just talking to people, going to the businesses and this one business in, in particular, it's kind of like a healthy juice bar kind of thing. Um, we went in and they were like, anytime you want to hold events here, like you're welcome to. And then we had a prayer training and we asked if we could do that and they just opened their doors and provided like free drinks and let us like host the prayer training there, um, like right in the center of Turenum. So it was just like another really cool way to see God's grace, like just uh, popping up everywhere. And um, like we're not forcing anything, you know, we just step out and it's like he just opened doors and we say, okay, then that's where we'll go. And um, yeah, it's just been a really, exciting thing to see the God that God is forming and starting. Yeah, and um, another thing that's been happening this year, uh, I was, I've been wanting to start some sort of like sporting event in the summertime, just a weekly thing, just to kind of get to know more people. Um, primarily, I'm trying to focus on the younger, the younger generations, trying to get to know them more. Um, and so I've gained access to well, it looks to be a, a soccer field along the riverside, and so the Toronto, they were like, okay, yep, fine, just pick up after yourselves, whatever. Um, I don't think anyone uses it anyways, so I don't know if I had to ask for it. Um, and so it's, it's been three weeks since it started, um, and the first week, I don't know if you guys remember the weather three weeks ago, but it was 40 and it was raining. And it was the first time, and so I, I threw up signs in like uh, sheets, grocery stores, just around town, and people have been texting me and saying, hey, they're in. Um, and so on that Wednesday, that 40 degree day, raining, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I just have to, I have to, I have to keep saying like it's on for today because it's the first day I didn't know if people were gonna show up without texting me, and if that happened, they would've been like, what the heck, and not show up anymore, whatever. And so I kept telling everyone, hey, we're still having it. The weather's going to clear up. It's not going to rain. Forecast is great. And so <laughs> I, was, I was texting everyone saying, yeah, we're playing, and it's going to be great. And um, yeah, so I, I showed up at the field, and it, it was raining. It wasn't, it wasn't clear at all. So oh, well. Um, and so I still had some people from the community actually show up, and then some of, some of our friends as well. So in total, we had eight people, okay? And I'm like, this, this isn't enough for a full game Frisbee. And I don't know if you guys know Ultimate Frisbee, but it's, it's almost like football. People kind of relate it to football, non-contact. And so you need a big field for it. And we had eight people, and we're thinking, let's just do a small, just a small game, whatever. And uh, even then, I was still doubting. I was like, this, is, this isn't gonna be great. But um, by the end of it, like every single one of us, we were having so much fun. 
and everyone was just like, yeah, I'm definitely coming back next week. And uh, ever since then, I was just so excited. Just because that, even that crappy day, just had so much fun. And like, no one was having like a, a crappy time. Like, we didn't care we were wet or cold and whatever. But um, it kind of fired me up. I was like, what's this, what's this year gonna have for us? And then the next week happened, and we pretty much just had like double the amount, um, and we had enough for a full, full game. Um, uh, again, encouraging as well. And then just this past week, we've had just a couple more as well. So according to the trend, it just keeps growing and growing. We just find more people. Um, if I'm going down to the field and I see some, some people walking around or whatever, I'll kind of holler at them and they'll come out and just have some fun and we'll just get to know them some more. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the goal for this year, just, um, just trying to get to know people and to just make, the, make our community a little smaller just with knowing people. And um, I guess the reason why we chose Frisbee is that it's, it's kind of like an inclusive sport. It's not like baseball or soccer or football where you kind of need a background in it to, to have fun. Frisbee is just, if you can throw and catch, you're pretty much good. Um, and if, if not, you can learn real quick. Um, so it's just, whoever you are, just come and play, and you're going to have fun. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we've been up to just this year. Uh, we don't know what's going to be happening later on, but we're pretty excited for, for what God's doing, even, even right now. There's just been so much fruit happening in our back door and also in our community. Um, I just love the Alley Boys. They're just crazy. Um, it's kind of, there's, there's Aiden, Jaden, Hayden. Did I say Aiden? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, just, we just met a Caden, so we have, we have him now. We're still looking for Brayden, so we just need that for the complete set. Um, yeah, I don't know why people like those names. But um, not saying anything about, bad against them. Please don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just been funny, just having fun with everyone. Um, but we wanted to ask you guys just to um, just join us in prayer as we just continue with with this uh, Terenum adventure. Yeah, and I just want to add, like, in giving glory to God in all of this, is that you know we talked about making some more room in our schedule. Um, if you know us, we are still very, very, very busy people. Um, just a lot going on between, you know, work and school and consecration and family and maintaining a house, redoing, renovating the kitchen, the electric and everything. So we're still very busy. And so when I say like we made more room, we didn't have a lot to offer. Like we still don't have a lot to offer. It might be like, an hour here or there, like in the week, but God takes like what we're able to give him and he just like has multiplied. Just It's just about like the sacrifice. And so we're just so thankful to see how God takes this tiny thing that we have to offer and just does amazing things with it. So thank you, everybody who shared this morning. Can we just give glory to the Lord once, once more with a hand clap of praise to him? So God is a God who makes a way. We've heard it. 
whether it's in situations that we would not have chosen, health or direction, or whether it's a job-related thing that opens up a whole new way that the Lord has for life, or whether it's on mission, where is the grace at? God showing the way where the grace is to join him. God is a way maker. Prepare the way for the Lord. And so may this morning uh, be encouraging to you, wherever you find yourself for the Lord needing to make a way. Maybe it's a physical thing, a direction thing, or a mission thing, or some other thing. God is a God who is at work. Prepare the way for the Lord. He is making a way. May you have eyes to see the way that he is showing you. And all for the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen.